Church, would you stand with me as we read our scripture tonight, which comes from Luke 21, verses 34 through 38. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good evening. Audrey, thank you for reading our scripture so beautifully. And Pastor Chris, thank you for this opportunity. I'm really humbled and grateful that I get to share a message with you tonight with my church family. So I thank you for coming out even in the rain and braving it and coming to church. It's always such a joy in my heart to join with y'all midweek. It's a special time in the life of our church for sure. Um, tonight I get to close out the 21st chapter of Luke. We've been going through chapter 21 of Luke and Pastor Chris has been sharing with us in the recent weeks about Jesus. So if you want to turn to Luke 21 in your Bibles, um, you can do that and we're going to start with a word of prayer. Let's pray. God of salvation, I thank you for your ever-present love and your mercy. Would you restore to us the joy of your salvation tonight? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill this place with your power and with your presence. Speak now to your people and to all who are gathered here. May your word in us transform us and restore us. In the mighty and beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So in order to give a little context to the message tonight, I think we should recap a little bit of what we've heard from Pastor Chris the last few weeks in chapter 21. So before this time, Jesus has been teaching in the temple to the people. They're gathered around him, and he's been focusing mostly on salvation through faith in him. He's been sharing parables. But chapter 21, he turns his focus. He shifts. And instead of teaching about salvation and teaching through parables, he begins to prepare his disciples, his believers, for what is to come, for the end of the age, the beginning of the end. And so he turns, and instead of teaching those, those parables, he wants to prepare them for what's to come. And Pastor Chris shared really powerfully last week about those warning signs, those labor pains, birthing pains, as Jesus called them, that we can expect when that time is being ushered in. And he talked about first how there will be signs in the church, how there will be false teachers that come up and try to woo away believers. There will be little antichrists that come up. There will be persecution in the church that will be hated for what we believe. He also spoke about how there will be destruction in Israel. There will be signs that there will be Gentiles inhabiting the God's holy city and that there will be destruction and suffering. And globally, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famine and pestilence or pandemics. There will be um, earthquakes and tsunamis and natural disasters that come upon that, that are a growth, a birth pain that we can look for for the end of the age. And then finally, he spoke about how there would be fear that consumes 
the world, that it would grip the hearts of people to the point that they would faint with fear. It's sort of like an emotional and a psychological pandemic in a way that binds people up and it controls their minds and their thoughts and their lives. But in addition to preparing us for the birth pains, for the signs of what's to come, Jesus also wants to prepare us for how we ought to live in these times. And so Pastor Chris started sharing some of those instructions from the Lord with us. The first, if you remember, was to continue giving and to not be swayed into materialism like so common in the world today. And we learn from the example of the widow who gave everything she had for the kingdom's cause. And then on Sunday, if you were here, you got to hear five more instructions that Pastor Chris shared with us. The second is that we need to keep our ears on Jesus, that we, as his people, should know his voice, that we ought not to be distracted easily and swayed in other directions by these false teachers that might come up, and that it is our responsibility to know his voice. It is our responsibility to not stray or to not be swayed. That's on us, church. The second instruction we were given is that we need to keep being a witness. Especially in times like this, the world is watching. And the way that we live our life can be an amazing tool for building the kingdom. We don't even have to work hard to create a witness. It's not something you have to try and like imagine. It's just walking with Jesus and allowing him to work in your life. He will take your story and your history and create your testimony from that. When you show the world how the Lord has worked in salvation in your life and intervened in your life, it brings God glory. And when you show the world how you choose to submit to the Lord, to obey his commands, that gives God glory. That is your testimony. The fourth way, if you're taking notes that Pastor Chris shared, was to keep trusting God's word. And we can't trust something we don't know. And it is our responsibility to make knowing the word of God a priority in our lives. The fifth instruction that was shared on Sunday was that until he returns, we need to keep looking up, waiting for our Redeemer to come. This part's probably one of my favorites because I just imagine that day. Sometimes I just want to imagine what it's like to see the very face of Jesus for the first time. My heart can hardly contain it. That's how we ought to live every day, expectantly waiting with joy that the Lord is coming again. Are you homesick for heaven? When you think about seeing him face to face, are you filled with joy? The sixth and final instruction from Sunday was that we need to recognize the times that we're living in. We need to know where we are in salvific history, as Pastor Chris said. There was a generation that saw the beginning of the end. There was a generation that saw the start of it all, these birthing pains beginning. And there's going to be a generation that sees the end of the age, that is there for the second coming of the Lord, that will see him coming on clouds with glory. And we are caught in between the already and the not yet. We are in the middle, but no one knows the time, no one knows the day, no one knows the hour. So are you ready? Do you know that you're in that middle and that he can come? Let us be ready. So that brings us to three more points that I'm going to share with you tonight from uh, chapter 21 of Luke. So Christ wants us to follow these, these ways to live until he comes back. So I'm going to read again. We're going to start in verse 34. 
and it says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. The seventh instruction, if you're taking notes, is to keep guarding your hearts. In verse 34, Jesus exhorts us to watch ourselves so that our hearts aren't weighed down. He's telling us to guard our hearts. In just the Old Testament alone, the word heart is used 800 times. 200 of those times, it's used in this kind of context. When it's talking about your thought life, your emotions, just kind of like that inner being, the things that motivate us and mold us. The Bible has a lot to say about our hearts and the contents therein. Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. And in Matthew 12.34, it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's the same thing we might say out in the country in Old Pike Road. <laughs> what is in the well comes up with the bucket. The state of your heart is vitally important. It affects your life, but it also affects the lives of everyone around you. It's also vitally important to your effectiveness for the kingdom. Your heart is important for many reasons, but tonight I'll start with three. It's that it's valuable. We need to guard our hearts because it is valuable. Psalm 4 said, above all things. That means nothing else takes precedence over guarding your heart. And we don't guard things that aren't valuable. Is anyone in here afraid when you roll your trash can out that it's going to get stolen? No, you put it out there, nobody wants it. We guard the things that are valuable and your heart is definitely one of them. It's the core of your being. It's a part of you that interacts with other people. It's a part of you that interacts with the Father. It's the most important thing that you can guard. It's that important. The second reason we need to guard our hearts is because it's the source of everything we do, like in Psalm 4. Out of our heart flows our thoughts and our actions, our deeds. It impacts all aspects of our life from our family, our marriages, our children's relationships, relationships with our friends, our careers, our ministry, and even our legacy when we leave this earth one day. You know, when your heart is sick physically, it affects every part of your body. And I believe the same is true with our spiritual heart. When our heart, our mind, our emotions, our thought, the core of our being is unhealthy, it affects everything around us. And the third reason that we need to guard our hearts is because they're under attack. This spiritual warfare around us, it's real. It's happening it's all too real. You know, in Ephesians 6, 12, it states, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, Satan wants your heart. He wants the core of who you are. He wants your thoughts. He wants your emotions. He wants to take the truth that you've hidden and confuse it with lies. He wants to take the peace that you have and put fear and anxiety and depression in its place. He wants to take your purpose and replace it with apathy and confusion. It's such a vital thing to, to protect our hearts. 
So Jesus asks us to watch our hearts, to watch ourselves, but how do we do it? How do you guard your heart? Well, I think the first thing we'll do is look to the words of Jesus. When he says to guard our hearts, he warns us to not be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, or the cares of this life. And as I was praying through this, I realized that these three things kind of represent three different extremes that we can go to in the world when we're not focused on guarding our heart. You know, dissipation is an extreme when all we want to do is fill our life with the worldly pleasures, with just getting like that quick high, with being happy, with finding joy. It's, it's like debauchery or squandering your life away on fleeting things. There's no substance there. It's like filling your heart with just the world's pleasure. And drunkenness, a lot of times... People drink to feel nothing. Instead of trying to feel all the worldly good things, they just want to numb their life. You drink to forget sometimes, right? You, instead of wanting to feel good, you just want to dilute the realities of your life until you feel nothing at all. And then he says to guard your heart against the cares of this life. Some of us don't go chasing the good. We get consumed with the bad. All we think about is fear and anxiety and the what-ifs and the how-comes. We fill our life up with just darkness and heaviness and angst. So are you filling it with worldly goods? Are you numbing it out? Are you only focusing on the heaviness and the darkness of this world? None of those things are how our hearts should be. Christ has another option for us. We need to fill our hearts with him with his peace, with his promises, with his word, with his presence. Psalm 119, 9 through 16 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. And in the way of your testimonies, I de delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So let us guard our hearts. Let's not fill them with worldly pleasures or numb them so much we feel nothing. Let's not let them be filled with darkness and stress. Let us fill them instead with the Lord. Let us fill them with joyous expectation of his second coming. You know, Philippians 4, 8 encourages us, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on those things. Let these things of the Lord be your focus and consume your thought life, friends. You know, I have to mention my kids every time I speak. <laughs> As a mother of four kids, I deal with fussy kids a lot. Sometimes they're just not themselves. Like, for no reason, they'll just be extra ornery, or they'll fight with their siblings, and I'm not sure why they're at each other's throats. Or maybe they're just being disobedient, and it's really not like them. And in times like that, I usually stop 
and I've, I've learned this acronym, it's called HALT. So we'll take a HALT break. And I'll think about, are they hungry? Which could be my fault. Maybe I, it's past lunchtime and I haven't fed them yet. Or angry or lonely. Maybe they just need mama's time for a minute. Maybe they're tired. Did they not get enough sleep last night? Or did they skip a nap, right? So I think things, these things through with my kids. And let's be honest, I mean, sometimes mama gets cranky too. And so I have to like HALT myself. But I want to challenge you, instead of taking a HALT break, when you start sensing that things are not well with your soul, that you take a heart check, a heart break. Instead of thinking about hungry, angry, lonely, tired, I want you to start wondering why you're battling anxiety. Why are you negative? Why are you snapping at your wife and kids? Why is that anger just bubbling below the surface? Maybe you're... Maybe your peace is threatened, like you just can't seem to settle. Ask yourself these three things. They're, they all start with the letter D. Are you distracted? There's so much to be distracted with in this world. I think you can pick your poison. It could be social media, the doom scrolling, where you can just stay on your phone all the time. Maybe it's reading books and not like the Bible kind. Maybe it's fishing or golfing or sports or football or... <laughs> or bike riding. <laughs> Whatever it is, even if they're good things, we can allow them to distract us from the best thing, which is Jesus. We can allow even the good things to take up our time. And then we go a couple days or a couple weeks and we realize we really haven't spent a lot of time in the presence with Jesus and our roots start getting dry and our soul starts getting dry and we need to do a heart check. We've been distracted. The next one is a little bit harder to ask yourself, but have you been disobedient? Have you allowed sin to creep into your life? Have you made that decision you really know you shouldn't have made? Did you get on your computer and look at or read something you shouldn't? Did you do something unethical? Did you let your anger go unchecked? I mean, whatever it is, we all battle our own things. I'm not pointing fingers here, really. This is between you and the Father. When you know it's not well with your soul, one of the best heart checks you can do is ask, Lord, would you search my heart and show me if there's anything in here that I need to repent from. Sin so often, pull, so often pulls us away from closeness with the Father. And that'll make you soul sick for sure. So you ask yourself, have you been distracted? Have you been disobedient? And have you been disloyal? Have you placed an idol on the throne of your heart? Are you looking for peace and for help and for purpose from something other than the Lord in your life? Do you look for contentment and fulfillment in a person or a thing instead of going to the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth for that? So do your heart check. And guard your heart. This brings us to the next task that we have on how to live until the Lord comes back, and that would be to keep persisting in prayer. Number eight, if you're taking notes. We're going to read verse 36 of 21. It says, But stay awake at all times, praying that you might have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I believe that praying can strengthen you. 
and not praying can weaken you. Praying can strengthen us in a number of ways. There were three that came to me as I was preparing for tonight. I think that praying prayers of repentance strengthens our hearts and our faith. I think that getting that weight, that burden of sin on the floor in front of the Father and asking forgiveness strengthens our faith because he is faithful and just to forgive. It reminds us why he came why he chose the cross, why raising from the dead was even needed is because he bought that forgiveness for us. So come to him and ask him for that because he is so ready to give it to you and it will strengthen you when you do. The second prayer that can strengthen us is prayers of gratitude and praise. We are a forgetful people. I think we're so often we forget what the Lord has done in our lives all the ways that he's worked, the ways that he has intervened in our lives. And so thank him for that. Pray prayers of gratitude and to praise him not only for what he's done, but also for who he is. There is strength when you remind yourself about the God's character and God's goodness. We're also strengthened when we pray prayers for other people and for ourselves. prayers of petition. When we come to God and we ask him for things for ourselves, it reminds us of who he is, our Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is who our help comes from. And when we pray for others, it strengthens us because it reminds us that we don't go this alone. We are part of God's family here on earth. We have brothers and sisters. You don't have to go through this alone, this life. And so it strengthens us to remind ourselves that God is our provider and that we have each other. So how should we live in these days, people of God? We should keep giving, resisting the temptation towards materialism. We should keep our ears tuned to Jesus. We should keep being a witness, keep trusting God's word, and keep looking for our Redeemer with joyous, expectant hearts. We need to recognize the times we live in, keep guarding our hearts, keep persisting in prayer. And finally, number nine, we need to keep drawing near to him. Verse 37 and 38 says, And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. They had just heard Jesus the day before. And yet in the morning, all the people came to him to hear him. Brothers and sisters, this is not a set it and forget it kind of faith. We don't get to put in a little work at some point in their lives and then set our spiritual cruise control and just cruise on into heaven. That's not what this is. This is a daily dying to self. This is a daily carrying a cross. This is a daily, Lord, I repent, please forgive me. You keep coming back to him. You keep choosing the Lord over anything this world can offer. None of it is better than knowing him. I think sometimes we are tempted to carry yesterday's faith and think, think it'll take us into tomorrow. But I, I encourage you and I challenge you, don't, don't give in to that temptation. You know, a lot of times if we're not moving forward, we're actually moving backwards. We don't stay where we're at. And before we close, I kind of skipped a verse. Did anybody notice? So let's go back to verse 35. It reads, For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, all who dwell. 
I've spent my whole time at this podium speaking to the Christians in the room, and we have a task before us. But for a moment, I want to speak to the non-Christians in the room. He's coming back. This world as we know it, it's not going to be forever. And friend, I want you to be ready. Maybe, perhaps, you aren't so excited about the thought of the Lord coming back. Maybe that strikes fear because you're not sure where you stand with him. Maybe you're not sure that you really understood or meant the prayer that you prayed when you were six, and so you're not really sure if you should be excited or you shouldn't. Maybe you feel like a prodigal and you're interested in this God thing and in knowing the Lord, but you just feel like maybe you've strayed too far for too long and this offer isn't really for you. Can I just say I'm so glad you're here tonight. It isn't an accident. I think that you're here tonight because the God in heaven loves you and is pursuing you and wants you to welcome him. He stands at the door and he knocks, but you have to make a choice. You have to choose to open the door. And this gift of love that he's offering, it's the best gift that ever was or ever will be. So I pray that you accept it, that you take a chance and, and believe the Lord because he loves you and he's so ready to walk with you every day. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and, sa and is saved. So my question to you tonight is do you believe and are you ready to confess it? If you are, you can pray a prayer like this. Let's bow our heads. Gracious God, I know that we've done wrong. God, I know that we're sinners. We need, each of us, the gift of your forgiveness and your sacrifice on the cross. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. And I desire to follow him with all of my heart for all of my days. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to speak with you after the service. But before we close, I have another reminder for everyone in the room. We've learned a lot from the words of Jesus. Nine different ways for us to be living on, on mission in these last days until he returns. It's a very worthy goal. It's a goal I intend to spend the rest of my life striving to achieve. And I pray that it's the same for you too. But can I just remind you, you're going to fall. I'm going to fall. We're going to fail. We're going to stumble. We are human. Don't let Satan heap shame and guilt on you to where you feel like you have to run away from the Father when you fall. You don't. When it happens, run to the Father. He can use you in your weakness. He can take these broken pieces. He can bind you back up. He places his treasure in jars of clay. He knows that we're weak but he loves you. So don't ever give up following him. It's the best decision that you'll ever make. Amen.